and welcome back to Insemination, the podcast that covers everything in fertility industry and donor conception, and we are being inseminated into your commute to work. And I am so excited to introduce you to our next guest because our next guest has a very unique perspective. They were conceived via traditional surrogacy. So their story is not one that is often talked about. Not only that, but our guest is a passionate advocate who I am so grateful to have in my life. I talk to this person nearly every single day and I would not have the strength to do the advocacy that I do without being able to text Andy literally almost every single day. So please, please give a warm, warm welcome to my friend Andy, who I know is going to be your friend at the end of this episode. So thank you for coming on, Andy. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been thinking about this for quite some time. I think you and I talk almost every day, whether it is uh, through text or through a phone call and stuff like that. Uh, Andy is uh, an incredible, passionate, wonderful advocate for the donor conceived community. Uh, So we are extremely grateful that we have Andy. Um, But what's incredible about specifically about you, Andy, is that your story is so goddamn unique. It is so unique very few people who were who have a shared story like who have a, a story like you don't often come forward and we need to hear more of it because you were born uh you you were conceived and born via traditional surrogacy there is so little research about people who were conceived and born like how you were this is true. So first off, thank you for coming forward. Thank you for being um, an active member of our community because we desperately fucking need it. So let's start with the number one question. What is traditional surrogacy? Uh, well, thank you for being uh, a place where we can all gather. I'm so grateful. Um, I have lived on this earth for 36 years, and I only met another donor-conceived person in this past year. That was on the same day. I met you and a couple other donor conceived people in New York. It was fantastic. Um, it's a community that I've needed my whole life. I didn't even know. So, yes, I would love to start and explain to everybody what is traditional surrogacy. Because I, I think because there are because I didn't even know there were different kinds of surrogacy. So specifically, what is traditional? So traditional surrogacy, surrogacy uh, is the first kind of commercial surrogacy where the biological mother is inseminated with the intended father's sperm. So the biological mother serves as an egg donor, you could say, but really it is just a a willing woman who decides that she can act as a quote surrogate for another intended couple. So she is essentially, so she is using her own eggs. She is giving one of her eggs and she is growing and birthing the baby. Correct. Okay, just to make sure that we are all on the same on the same page as this. Okay, so keep keep going. Um, I didn't know the term traditional surrogacy either growing up. Um, it was not something. I mean, I heard the word surrogate. I heard my parents use the word birth mother, um, not, not really bio mother, but mostly they referred to her by her name. Um, but when I took a class uh, on racism in two thousand nine. And I read a book on eugenics. The final chapter was New Age Birth. Um, I contacted that author because I was super stoked to hear somebody use some language that I finally understood. And she was the one who said, 
when I explained my situation, she said, oh, that's traditional surrogacy. That's no longer legal. I was like, well, so then I had a whole bunch of other questions. I had, um, whoa, (laughs) I mean, hold on. That's like a brain fuck right there to let everybody like, oh, the way I was conceived and born is illegal. Oh, oh, that yeah. that is that definitely would I, I would I would definitely um, be like, and we're going to go stop by the liquor store. Fabulous. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, yeah. So Cheers. I think it was like 20, 23 at that point. Um, so I got some new new vocabulary um, and I kind of just went from there, you know, back in. 2009, 2010, there wasn't such a thing as the donor conceived community. Um, I started looking into adoption psychology. Um, I got some good information there, but it wasn't quite the same. It's not the same as intentionally being made and purchased. I, I hope that this comes across the way that I intend, but there is something about traditional surrogacy that does really not sit right with me where it is you are creating a child with your own eggs growing the child and you've created this child with the intention of selling them yeah now of course and there was never the word selling and really the money wasn't brought up a lot this is something that I've had to examine as an adult yeah that there's a lot to unpack there I mean you know for I I know that like as donor conceived people I know also adoptees we really struggle with feeling like we were we were products we were little build-a-bears um you know we were essentially a very expensive blender um so walk me through how this happened like how, how was the process for your parents for your biological mother how do you want me to refer to to her what what would be um, the correct bio mom how do you want great. me to refer to her i like that i call her bio mom fantastic yeah it took me a long okay, time fantastic. and okay. it took until meeting other donor consumed people that i am very confident in saying she's my biological mother she refers to herself as my surrogate which is kind of painful to me yeah, I mean, technically there was some surrogacy involved, but she's also your fucking she birth She was mom. my I mean, first that's just mother, that. yeah. And, and she's your biological mother. That is the accurate descriptor. And uh, I don't want to, like, I've never met her. I don't want to, like, you know, uh, obviously, but it, it does feel like, oh, excuse me, feels like there's a little avoidance there. <laughs> um, we'll but, see if and, we get and that So far. let's also just... <laughs> But let's let's take that pause, though, for other donor conceived people that it's like you get to refer to your donor however the fuck you want to. You want to call your donor your biological father, your biological mother, your biological parent, uh, your donor, whatever it is. That is for you to choose. Do not let your donor, your parents, society tell you how you have to refer to them. That is your truth. You can do what is right for you. All right. Here, here. That is, I love that, it. That's really how it is. Yeah, I mean, that's how, uh, for me, with, like, the donor-conceived community, like, how we seem to be, it's, like, for us, it's, like, look, not everyone has to have my mindset on, like, how I view my donor or anything like that. Like, I, but all I want is donor-conceived people to have their, the choice and not have society and everybody make the choices for them. But anyway, I need to keep moving forward. So how did this work out? So 
how um is it okay to ask like why they chose to do traditional surrogacy like what what was the that is why okay. did they choose that method so i'm going to recap as best as i know um i am just saying what i was told uh so mm -hmm. something i have learned throughout the years trying to figure out where i stand and how to explain how i came to be um it has to do with narrative, whose narrative. Um, my adopted mother, who is my recipient parent, um, who I also just call my mother. I have lots of names for her. Um, sometimes I call her by her first name if I'm upset with her. Um, she was always the focus growing up that was who was telling the story. Um, and mm. it wasn't until I was an adult that I actually allowed myself to think about myself as a child experiencing being born this way. Um, because the fertility industry also really focuses on the infertile mother um, and her experience and fulfilling her what they deem is a deficit, whatever. Um, so back to my original story, my biological father and his wife, who was my adopted mother, met um, in the 70s, got married in 80. My adopted mother had some issues that resulted in her having a hysterectomy when she was 18 years old. So when she met my biological father, they knew there was no children. And that was okay with my dad. Um, they lived for six, seven years together. Um, so obviously there's a lot of trauma in the backstory there. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot I don't know about why that happened. And speculation yeah um but whatever it is you feel bad for her right yeah I mean obviously that sounds like there was like a certainly a medical trauma and I don't know like do, was she always wanting oh God, to have she kids was raised and then Catholic was and I mean back in the 60s 70s and she really had more of a 50s mentality like women's purpose was being a wife and mother so her, like, this was, like, identity oh, yeah. stripping for her. Okay. Um, so my dad, uh, though he met her in the Midwest, uh, they moved to California, Southern California, where he was from. Um, mm -hmm. My dad is Jewish. I just have to say that because I do think it does matter um, as to why they chose to do donor conception. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Holocaust trauma. Oh, so are you saying that due to the the Holocaust, you feel like your dad, it was very important for him to continue on the legacy due to how many lives were lost? Yes. Compared okay, to I understand, dude. Okay, I understand. Someone. Okay, understand. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay, just wanted to clarify. So keep moving. So continue, continue right. on with your story. <laughs> okay. Um. So... They moved to California in the 80s. I, from doing this little bit of research, found out that um, the first successful IVF was in 79. 
I um, had assumed mm -hmm. that's kind of when surrogacy started, I guess. Um, there is this lawyer who started doing surrogacy contracts, but they weren't paid um, as early as 79. But from what I found out, mm -hmm. it seems like the first commercial surrogacy in the United States was 1985, which was the year I was conceived. So I'm first batch. Whoa. I'm actually surprised that it was 1985. For some reason, I would have assumed that like it had been around a lot longer than that. There is a, a woman. So she says she's the first commercial surrogate. She got paid about $11,000. Oh, and she had an interesting name. They gave her a name, the last name Kane from Citizen Kane. Ew. <laughs> Why out of any out of any fucking movie to pick from you you pick Kane out Apparent, of Citizen Kane? I'm not familiar I with mean, the story. I'm sorry, I'm not a film. At least, well, okay, for all of us, like at least pick Rosebud. For all of us who know Citizen Kane, at least pick Rosebud. Like Kane, what the fuck? No, Rosebud. That's the obvious choice if you're gonna go with that movie, which is a dumb movie to pick for surrogacy anyway. But fine, okay, sorry. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to. It's gonna be fucking weird, dude. Fucking weird. All right. Anyway, okay. So you were, you are one of the. I first am one of the first. Okay, first I do batch. think I, I'm wrong about that. I think she her her first was 1980. But still, let's say commercial surrogacy 1980, 1985. Baby M, 1985. You're still, you're still. Yeah, yeah you're still part batch. of the first batch. I mean, you still you're right. a part of the first batch. Yeah, what's up? Fellow, fellow, fellow science experiment to another science experiment. I was made in a lab. You know? I thought that Howdy. was a really funny thing to say at parties for a while when I was young. Oh, me too. Yo, that would be like how I'd hit on boys. It's like, speaking of, uh, speaking yeah. of sperm, hey. Uh, and it I'm a did product not of work. masturbation. Um, My parents never had sex. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh God, it's how I really thought I was going to make friends. <laughs> I know, um, we have so much in common. It's pretty funny. <laughs> In California, they choose surrogacy. It's very, very new technology. What happens next? Uh, so I did ask them at one point if they got to pick who they chose um, or who was chosen for them. It turns out they did not. So it, that was in regards to, like, why didn't you choose a Jewish donor since I'm half Jewish, which is a thing. Um they, they told me that they couldn't pick. So they were paired with a young woman. Um, she was a young woman. I assume she was 22 maybe when she, yeah, signed Ooh, up. She okay. was 23 when I was born. So she could have even been 21 when she met my parents who were in their 30s. Yeah. Um, right. So they apparently hit it off. They met at like, it wasn't like a Sherry's, but you know, some diner. I have the picture right here. Look at this. I know y'all listening can't see it, but this is a picture of my biological mother and my parents um, at some diner. For the people who who, who uh, want to see the photo, there's going to be a full video of this entire episode up on YouTube. So anything that Andy sh uh, shows us visually, you can also see on the It looks YouTube like uh, my adopted mom got a Sunday. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so they all met um, and what happened so next? So... The narrative, like, people use the same verbiage, like, such a nice couple, like, and my bio mom is giving such a gift, 
the gift of love, the gift of life. I got God's greatest mm-hmm. gift a bunch growing up. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So bio mom says she didn't need the money, but she was 22 and had a kid. And she apparently worked at a bank. She said she had a good job, but she liked being pregnant. Now I'm getting all of this from um, a newspaper article that I have. They, they, I think they thought they were doing like a great thing. Everyone did. And I understand that now. Like my parents thought they were helping out a woman who needed it monetarily. Um, I think mm-hmm. they thought we would stay in touch and we did for a couple years. I'm not really sure what was going on in my bio mom's mind. Uh, I think she, like she said, she wanted to be pregnant. I mean, she was 22. Like to me as a 36 year old, that seems like such a child. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the farther, uh, the older I get and I get farther away from 22, the more I look at being 22, I'm like, Oh my yeah. God, you're still a goddamn baby. Um, may I ask what did what did her family did did do you have any like what did her family oh, the think tea, of all of this? Laura. So <laughs> the tea is the tea scalding? Pour, spill the tea, Andy. Um we were in touch with her for a while. She disappeared. I'll talk about that later. I did find her later. She has a bunch of walls. I as someone who am sensitive and love ancestry, I have siblings through her. I decided her walls aren't going to stop me from finding out more about this family. So yes, I did find out through a cousin of hers that her father and her had a huge fight about this. Um, A fight that was one of the biggest of their lives. Um, and the quote from this cousin, I found this out just this last year, is that um, the grandfather, my grandfather, maternal grandfather, accused her of shipping off his grandchildren. That was the word. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. Whoa. I mean. How? That's a lot of emotions. That's a charged yeah. statement. How? Okay. Couple of questions. One, how does that make you feel to hear that your grandfather, your maternal biological grandfather felt Um, that way? As someone who didn't have information about my family growing up, it's blessed information to have. Um, He's dead now, but I know that before Mm -hmm. I was even around, he wanted to meet me. He saw me as his grandchild. Um, He seems like a complex person. He also seems really smart. I've heard that he was a singer, uh, and I think that's where I get it from, that I sing. Uh, I think that's my information to have. I think I deserve having that information. I think you deserve having that, and I do think that it's – the layers are – because, again, you were conceived in a very unique way, and to find out that – a very pivotal person in your biological family's life felt that way is like, whoa. Um, so moving forward, you are your 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 biological mother is growing you, she gives birth to you. What ends up happening next? So I found out 
as an adult that um, she held me for two hours and then she handed me over to my adopted mom. Um, and I don't know, she told me that to my face and I didn't, you know, I was getting a lot of information. This is the one time that I've met her as an adult. Um, so I think about that a bit more now. I, I also, when I met her, mm -hmm. I was 26. So I've had 10 years to think about this. So I think about those two yeah. hours now a lot. Um, I don't think I was breastfed. Um, I know okay. in a strange, weird world, um, my adopted mother told me she tried to breastfeed me i hear so many adoptive parents so many adoptees talk about how their adoptive I, parents try to breastfeed them don't like when she told me that i think i was younger and even as a young person i was like why <laughs> why I don't think that's gonna work the well, way you think. Now it's la, just la, 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 la. big sadness for me right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, did um not not to not to force the conversation no, in great. a particular way, but um but you mentioned to me that when you went home with your adoptive mother and biological father, the trauma was already like it was already starting like it was already happening and if you feel comfortable i'd love sure. for you to share um that. this is something that i've felt it's not really something that's measurable so that's been hard for me to come forward and admit it but it's taken me years of adulthood and therapy and introspection to be able to say yeah this was a trauma to be taken from my mother um and this doesn't say anything i'm not trying to say anything about my parents i love my parents i do love my adopted mom mm -hmm. um i think even if she was the best mother in the world this still would have been a trauma to be taken well, and I think because in your particular donor conception story, you are half adopted. I mean, I feel like there's there's such a Venn diagram between adoptees and donor conceived people, but you really are in the middle of that yeah. Venn diagram. Um, and as we learn and we listen to all of our adoptee advocates and allies, we learn and we know that adoption starts with trauma because it is the automatic separation of family. There's no way to get around that one. It automatically starts with trauma. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't love your adoptive families. That doesn't mean you, you or, or anything else, but it does start with trauma. This started Agreed. with trauma as it well. It really did. And I think whether it was willful ignorance, whether they were told um, otherwise, like I feel like that trauma, it was just ignored throughout my life. Like it wasn't supposed to be there mm. because I think I was thought of as some clean slate, like some, you know, really nice baby they got fresh out of the womb. Yeah, because we're we're not taking infant trauma <laughs> seriously all. whatsoever. I mean, I, f I yeah, I mean, like you know, I feel like people who are like you know within the donor conception surrogacy or adoptee world, we go, oh no, it's a real thing. Um, but 
Yeah, no, and and the trauma was there. I mean, this was a your birth mother, uh, your biological mother. That was your. That was all you heard. You smelled. You grew. She held you for two hours, and then sayonara. Even even if it was sayonara. agreed, and even if she knew from stage one that this would happen, and she set up emotional preparation for herself. There was no way I could do that as mm-hmm. an infant. And as a as a donor conceived person, I, that's always something that I'm saying that it's like you know the 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 children of donor conception we got no say. But like I feel like in your case, it's like it just woo, we're 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 dialing that volume up a lot. And then um, I'm supposed to be grateful. So then, because since I'm yes, half adopted, li- I I've always I always felt bad. Like well, I didn't come from a traumatic bra- background. I was purposely made to have a privileged life. Like, so I've, I felt awful. Like, how dare I miss my mom? (laughs) Oh my God. Do you, when do you think that like you were first able to verbalize that you missed? Not until I met other donor When do you think that verb? So, wow. Okay. So, but now looking back on it, you're like, oh shit, that's what I was feeling. I mean, I always knew, but it wasn't a hundred percent until I met egg donor conceived people. I needed people to be like, yeah, I do have a connection with this person whose DNA I carry. Looking back, uh, I mean, I I hate to say it so like black and white. I I don't know how I'm trying to figure out a more nuanced way, but like what, I guess, what was your childhood like? Was it more or less a happy childhood or, or, or or were there, (laughs) I got notes. Um, I got notes and I got got notes. Okay. um, over a decade of therapy under my belt. Uh, I mean, I love I love a person in therapy. I love a self-aware person who's like, girl, I need some therapy. I love that. Um, so was there anything about your childhood that you have notes on that you think was directly correlated to the surrogacy? Well, um, let's start with when I got brought home, I wouldn't eat. I, I wouldn't eat um, no. for two weeks. And my adopted mother was told I was failure to thrive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, it the wrong time to try and drink water. Oh my God. <laughs> ah, I love ah, that we, I, ah. I laugh about this life all the time. Like that you really have to, like, it's just so they're like, Oh, this, this child well, is failure to thrive. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, I I feel like, but I I mean, I get so much shit on the internet because they're like, I don't know, maybe I would take you more seriously about your donor conception issues if you didn't run around the Capitol in a sperm (laughs) costume. And I'm like, listen, Becky, okay? Listen, I've only gotten people to fucking listen to me because I'm wearing a goddamn sperm suit, okay? That's, that's the only reason why. Pete, and, I, and I'm like, because you have to laugh at this shit. You ha- at least in my perspective, if you don't want to, that's totally your prerogative. But in my experience, how I deal with this bullshit is I got to laugh at it. Sorry, that's my toxic trait. I don't know. I'm trying to do therapy and shit. I do. I do the therapy. I do the medication. I have an anxiety disorder. Thank you very much. Let me go make my money. You're doing great. Anyway, so yes. Thank you. Anyway, okay, so failure to thrive. What a beautiful note to end on. Okay, anyway, failure to thrive. Amazing. I kept crying. Please keep going. I'm sure this is going to... I I haven't um, asked my my parents if they 
like I don't know what they thought about what they did at that point. <laughs> if they're like, oh, this is bad. I mean, what was maybe I made a mistake. I, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to like ask them. Like, do you think any of those problems with, with her infancy maybe had something to do with you know, the beforehand? Very like, I'm just enough. Or is it total cognitive? But is it, it cognitive is, dissonance? They have. Yeah. It's amazing to me constantly how little they understand about psychology. <laughs> or just, I don't know. I mean, not, not to speak ill of your parents, but just, you know, context clues. Yeah. I, th this isn't like, I, I, I'm not like, uh, I, you know, we're not all therapists and psychologists, but this is just Let's basic just context say They clues. had this their is basic... own issues that were kind of taking precedent at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. Well, cheers oh God, to I that. think I got to okay. pour a little bit so, more. Let's. This is getting fun. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so they're doing their best. All right. My my adopted mom always wanted to be a mom. She, I think, a lot of a lot of the therapy. Let's say more than half of the therapy had had to do with being raised Catholic. <laughs> not necessarily donor conception it's hard to separate those things what but, you know what's your confirmation dorothy. name dorothy <laughs> Ooh, i am unfamiliar with saint dorothy um i don't really know i was confirmed when i was eight because I, my my adopted mom told me i could choose between catholicism or judaism but then we moved to a rural town and there wasn't a temple and i wanted her to like me so I I decided Catholicism. Okay, can, can we just state the red flag when you're like, I wanted really, my mom really to like me. Hard. That's 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 a bit of a red flag. That shouldn't be something a child should have to think of. Going, I really hope my mom likes me. Can we just say that right now to anybody who's listening? That if you are having that thought, uh, please. Mm -mm, mm -mm. that's not on you babies that's not on you if your parents are making you feel that way that that is not a you thing that is a them Thank thing you. anyway that done with my psa <sighs> all right so we are we have so okay catholicism trauma love it amazing i'm right there what? with you who, you who know in the united states and repeat. who were um catholic altar servers stand up right here <laughs> <laughs> right here what's up how you doing donor conceived half jewish catholic donor conceived altar half jewish servers. altar servers and i was that little asshole theater kid so that like whenever like they did the communion and they turned the communion into the eucharist oh, i it was all about the so bells fucking loud. i just had to be it was all and I didn't understand, like, how these goddamn, like, fucking punk altar servers would be like, <laughs> I'm like, no, you ring those bells so loud that Jesus can hear you. What the fuck is wrong with you? I took my choreography very seriously. Ugh, I loved it. There were props in choreography. I was, like, amazing. I, I was, like, I also, it was just something to do during church, you exactly. know. It was, cause it was boring as fuck. Then I was like, yo, at least I got some shit to do now. I have a job. And I took it seriously. And sometimes I got to play anyway, with fire. Anyway, okay. Sometimes you got to play with fire. Fuck yes. Fire. Okay. All right. Anyway, okay. So moving forward, we have. We got, I got a lot no, no, no. of trauma okay, so we've stories got... as a kid. I'm not sure which ones exactly are relevant. But I something that is relevant, mm -hmm. and I was told by my parents that it was very rare 
that my parents paid the same traditional surrogate for my little sister. So I have a full blood, I don't like that term, but like a full DNA sister who was raised with me. She is four and a half years younger than me. Um, So my biological mother had her first child with her husband, who is my older half sister. Then she had me for my parents. Then she had a son. And then she had my sister for my parents. Whoa. Um, okay. Now, may I, I, you know, I know that like I, you know, your sister isn't here to express her story, but um, is it okay to ask if your sister has shares similar sentiments um, to you about so all of this? My sister and I are different people. We're close. She has a lot of friends, whereas I <laughs> am that theater kid who was the altar surfer. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Enough said. Um, Enough. Okay. All right. I tell her every step of the way what I'm doing. Um, and actually we might go meet our half sister in a couple weeks when we go to LA together. And this will be the first time she meets her. Yeah. So she's, she's interested. She just isn't interested in the, to the same level I am. I also think. Okay. Does not have the hyper focus you and I have. Um, I also think it, is potentially different for her having an older maternal figure that I was. I saw myself as a maternal figure to her, uh, Mm. kind of like a protector from our adopted mom, I have to say. Hopefully you won't hear that. Sorry, mom, if you do. (laughs) Well, since since we're already there, uh, and I I apologize, uh, adoptive (laughs) mother, um, but may, um, uh, but Hey, this we're here. Reality. This is reality. We got to be honest. If, if, if we're going to fix the future, we got to be honest. Um, is it okay to ask what were, what were ways in which, in how your adoptive mother treated you that let's just say you have. So on? I am a very sensitive soul. Um, and my adopted mother is not like that she uh is in Mm. your face um and i don't know she she was from a a german family from the midwest she was one of five kids um i don't think she understood how sensitive I was I was told a lot I was too sensitive I was very sensitive um but I was scared of her uh I was scared of her emotional reactions she also was on a lot of hormones like they pumped her full of hormones Mm. I don't know I I blamed her a lot um growing up and I've really softened to that um growing up over the years and also being a mother myself is it yeah yeah. Is it okay to ask, like, what is your relationship it's like It's extremely now? superficial. Um, I, mm-hmm. Especially after my teenage years. I mean, you heard what I said earlier. Like, I just wanted her to like me. I tried to be the best kid I Red ever flag. could. Red flag. All, Red flag. You know, I would cry if I got a B plus. You know, that type of kid. Um, and... Mm. I think she really encouraged that. Like she really wanted me to be, Mm. I don't know. 
so talking more about surrogacy, you were born and conceived via traditional surrogacy, which is no longer legal. So we now have gestational yeah. surrogacy. Um, it's not as clean cut as this amazing woman who I adore, Dorothy Roberts, said. Um, it isn't just outright illegal. So there's actually not any federal laws about surrogacy. It's all state by state. Um, even oh, okay. surrogacy friendly states, which there are 10, most don't want to do traditional surrogacy. If you look online to different websites, they all say it's because of um, the potential legal and emotional risk of it. I mean, I can understand that. I mean, it does it does seem like traditional surrogacy leaves some pretty big gaping holes for human nature to be like, hello, well, and how the are we history doing of surrogacy shows that those examples happened. So people who are older probably remember um, cases like Baby M, which happened. Baby M was born um, a few months before me in New Jersey, and the traditional surrogate, when Baby M was born, decided she wanted to keep the baby. And it went to um, New Jersey Supreme Court. Ultimately, it was a big deal and lots of people were talking about surrogacy at that time and that is when um, mm. my bio mom and my parents went on several talk shows and um, there were some newspaper articles and I myself was on some talk show as a baby yeah just drooling all over the place uh, all right um how do you view surrogacy now as somebody because you one are were conceived birth via surrogacy you yourself are a mom now you are in your 30s so and you have done therapy so like there's been a lot of work that you have done you've had a lot of you had some life experience how do you view surrogacy i am a queer person and i support non-traditional families but as a donor conceived person it is mind-boggling that we haven't put donor-conceived people at the forefront of this industry yet. I guess that's what we're doing right now, but it seems like a no-brainer to me. Um, I think it's really sad um, looking at this industry. I feel like I have been forgotten. Um, I feel like I'm constantly having to prove my trauma, which I don't think I should mm. have to. Um, I think donor-conceived people need to be heard. That's what I think before anyone mm -hmm. chooses to do donor conception. I, I'm going to sort of read in between the lines, and I want right. you to correct me. So what I'm getting is that your views are not necessarily hard in stone, but you just want people who are the products who do have to live with emotional the emotional toll of being born this way. Emotional toll, um, whether that is donor donor conceived surrogacy, we need to be listening to 100%. those people, and then from there take yes. our cues from them. Is that I don't want to like step on. I'm just sort of. 
I'm saying this yeah. because you and I talk a lot, so that's why I I'm like, I think I understand where, where you're going. I think parents okay. don't know what they're doing. I think donors don't know mm. entirely what they're getting themselves into. And I think it's been yeah. intentional. At this point, the fertility industry has been going on for so long, it seems intentional. I, I do. I mean, I would have to very much agree. I mean, something it frustrates me how they the industry um or i'm gonna say uh, other groups i'm gonna leave it really vague right now because i i don't want to get other advocates in trouble um i'm gonna say other groups who do have set who have a say who do have an influence on the industry the fact that they do not value the voices of the donor conceived because uh in their own words we're too close and biased to it it's like no shit sherlock <laughs> No shit, I'm biased because I'm it. Because I'm fucking it, asshole. And the fact that we do not, and the fact that they actively value the recipient parent's voice over ours is like, and I'm not saying don't value that voice. Of course, value that voice. But value the fucking, per but value the donor conceived person's life and voice first. That is what actually makes sense because it's like the fact that there's never been long-term studies on the effects of donor conception, whether yep. it is it physical is so or mental. Telling. Yeah. You look up surrogacy right now on Wikipedia, the studies, they, they end at age 10. They say surrogate, Ooh. surrogate creative people are Ooh. fine. We've studied them to age 10. Where are the studies on okay. surrogate created adults? Okay, so that's our second red flag. Uh, we're just keeping that. So I wanted my mom to like me, and surrogacy studies go to age 10. <laughs> Two red flags. All right, so we're just, for the, for everyone keeping track here. All right. Um, yeah, no, the, the fact that they're actively not studying children born via surrogacy, donor-conceived people, like, long-term as adults, they're actively avoiding it. They're actively it. discrediting um, is, is, our voices. And I do think, and again, especially somebody like you, because you, as I said, you are so in the middle of a bunch of Venn diagrams that I think like a voice like yours in particular needs to, needs, needs to be heard. Um, but I would love to talk about also the, so let's talk about a little bit of a lighter note about your healing, because you've been actively working about healing. And so you said like meeting donor conceived people. And you are part of a of an egg donor conceived oh, support man, group. Oh man, I love the good eggs. How how has that been? Like talking to other egg donor conceived people. It's been um, a big marker in my life of before and after. Mm -hmm. um, there was a process of meeting people and being fearful at first. Um, there's a process of acceptance, mm -hmm. and then recognizing people and people who've had similar stories it's a first in my life you know being able to tell my story and have someone get it growing up when I would mm -hmm. say I had two moms and I had a birth mother the reaction I most got was no reaction I got blank stares because mm. there was no comprehension to that and that's in some ways better than like bad reactions, but it still was a negative reaction for me. Getting people like to hear me who get it means so much to me. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, listening to 
other people who've had a similar lived experience and they all go, oh shit, I feel the same way. Or it's like, does anyone else feel this way? And the entire room goes, yeah. It, incredibly um, It's so meaningful. Now, also in this group, we've been gathering eggs. Um, I think we're at like seven or eight adult egg donor conceived people, um, which is incredible because um, gestational surrogacy and egg donation really just started in the 90s. Um, and mm. helping these young people, because they are significantly younger than me, um, find their biological family and explore these feelings um, is something like I'm I'm so grateful for that. That is the best thing. And it feels like something I mm-hmm. I, I needed to do with my life. Um, I love them. I love you all. It's- <laughs> for all of our lovely eggs, the good yeah. eggs that are hearing us right now. Because I want to I want to make sure in case we are in case I have anybody on here who was conceived and born via gestational surrogacy is hearing your story and goes like, "Man, I relate to a lot what she's saying, but she was born traditional surrogacy, that's it. I don't feel justified in in connecting or feeling those feelings and they're listening to you right now." What would you say Hi. to them? Um, I would say you, your feelings are more than justified. Uh, your ancestors are in your body and they love you. Um, you have every right to know where you came from. Um, and even if it's scary, even if, you know, whatever you call them, your donor, your biological parent, your DNA giver, even if that's not there as a possibility for a relationship for you. There's so many other relationships that you deserve because that is your biological family. Um, and it, it is up to each donor conceived person. Like I know people who aren't interested, but if you are interested, nothing should stop you from, from knowing these, these parts of you. That's, that's the hardest thing for me, it, it wasn't not being raised with my siblings, which is terrible. It's, it's not, you know, all the trauma that I think came from being mixed up with donor conception. It was the loss of the culture that is my biological mother's. Mm. Like, there was so much that, that I, I missed out on. That, that's not fair. You know, I talk a, a lot in my TikTok and my Instagram about the practicalities of donor conception. I very rarely do talk about the emotion because people do not like me talking about that. Um, <laughs> but fuck it. We're Great. doing it on the podcast. I have cried yet. All right. Not, try Laura. and stop me. But no, it's uh, we don't talk about the emotional aspect of it. And the, the part of it is it's unknown territory. It's unknown. And I'm talking about it for the donor, the recipient parent, and the donor-conceived child, all the siblings, whether they're the donor's children, everything, all of the – we don't – and we just kind of file it in a place of like, oh, it won't be a problem. It won't be an issue. And I'm like, this is so complex. 
And we are just making all of these assumptions that everyone's going to be okay. Everyone's going to fit into a nice little neat box and we're going to be fine. And the one thing that I can say with certainty with talking to the amount of donor conceived people, donors, recipient parents that I have spoken to is none of it fits into a neat little box. None of it does. And to the recipient parents who are listening, who are like, my kid's fine. They're good. They don't have any questions. They're not curious. And I'm like, one, they actually might be. They just know they can't talk to you yet. They're scared to. Now, that's not to say that you are a scary parent. That's not to say that you're a bad parent. But they have this instinct in them that goes if I show any kind of curiosity I'm gonna hurt mom I'm gonna hurt dad and they're not going to actually and here here's here's the fun part guys the amount of donor conceived people who we talk to on a daily basis and they found out accidentally that they're donor conceived and their parents don't even know yet that they know like that is a lot of people that I I just know. So for my recipient parents out there, you have to take extra effort to make a safe space. It's not just like, oh no, they know that they can talk to me. No, 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 that's not, I, I love you and I, and I love that you feel that way, but you gotta take it to an extra step. You have to be actively telling your child, it is okay to do this. It is okay to talk to me about this. If you are curious, you want to do this, you want to do that, you know, we got your fucking back. We've got this for you. You have to actively show that it is a safe space. And remember, what they say at 10 could be very different of what they say at 20 or 30. And you got to be ready for that switch because that's what we have seen continually is we see a lot of donor-conceived people kind of like essentially like put themselves in their own little donor-conceived fog. Um... And they sort of go through that until they hit adulthood. And then once they hit adulthood, they're like, oh, shit, I, I need to figure this out. And the worst is, it's when they is when those, those donor conceived people start doing the research and they start exploring without the recipient parent. That is when you know you've got a goddamn problem on your hand. I see on TikTok and online, like people talk about donor babies and test tube babies. And I myself used to refer to myself as a test tube baby but I think I think we all it's did time yeah. that the consciousness is raised America wakes up and realizes that we have a, a whole generation of donor conceived adults we have a whole community and we got a wave of young people coming who were created this way and it's time that we be seen as a population um, and as people who deserve human rights. Well, and I think that you and I really actually got to see, I think, a little bit into the beast. Um, so uh, many people know that uh, I attended some of the ASRM conference, which is the American Society of Reproductive Medicine. They are the ones who essentially constitute the guidelines for all of the banks and clinics to fall within the United States. Now, again, those are guidelines, not actual regulations and laws. So clinics and banks do not have to follow them. So what ASRM is essentially a giant dog and pony show. Sorry, guys, but like, I don't know what else you want me to say, but um. Uh, until you really all start stepping up and actually really helping out donor conceived people, uh, that's how I'm just going to continue to refer for 
um, to refer to you guys. But there was a social media conference there, which I and Andy both got to attend and we watched it. And no donor conceived person spoke at this conference. It was all um, it was all recipient parents. Um, it was doc infertility doctors, all OBGYNs, um, going up and talking about spreading well, their and attracting young and, egg and sperm was the quote that I heard that made my skin crawl. And Andy and I were just standing there and you just every seen like our face. skin. <laughs> I was I was livid. Well, because at that point, like there are so many goddamn cryobanks on TikTok actively trying to recruit or poach, poach. let's just be honest. And they're, they're poaching poach teenagers. They're, they're reaching underage And they're kids. poaching fucking teenagers. It was interesting because you and I both talked to a couple of recipient parents there. And it was interesting to see different reactions. Like one recipient um, mom who was there was very nice. Um, and I was like, hey, how do you feel? I'm like, I'm donor conceived. Thank you so much uh, for being here and everything. And I was like, how do you feel for the fact that no donor conceived person was asked to speak at the ASRM conference? And she looked at me and she was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you serious? They didn't ask. I'm like, no. And she was like, that's insane. And you could tell she was genuinely shocked by this. That was something that was very shocking to her. Now, a different recipient parent we talked to was like, why would, why would you talk at this? Why would you? Like, what does this have to like, how would this help you out at all? And I'm like, are you, you're a recipient parent and you don't understand that? That's a little terrifying. I don't think our parents understood that. I think maybe if they understood how it would affect their child, maybe they wouldn't have chose donor conception. Or maybe they would have gone about it differently. I, I'd certainly think um, going about it differently would have, would have probably been a big piece of it, uh, certainly for me. But, yeah, I so <laughs> – but you and I saw what was kind of going on, and I think both you and I were like, "We have to act now." We what have I'm to seeing act fast on TikTok because all these banks that are trying to recruit their young eggs and sperm, as they call it, um, and I see price tags. They're 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 saying, "Come and earn thirty thousand or "Can you believe that I paid off my student loans?" or um, whatever I saw some woman comment about how she paid off her car um I was sold for twelve thousand dollars like that price tag sucks that follows me for the rest of my life and I don't think people mm -hmm. who participated in this in the 80s and who are participating in egg selling now get that and, like, let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. It is egg and sperm right. selling. You are not a donor. You're in the United States because other countries don't actually pay donors. But in the United and, States, you're not a donor. And that's pure propaganda because seller. selling your body parts is illegal. And it's and you we have to start actually calling it what it is. We re, have to stop calling it donations. There's not that you're not donating a fucking thing. You specifically are doing Especially it to buy a Louis Vuitton bag. Especially if the advertising you're buying is it. specifically saying this is you know, make money. That's who you're attracting. People who want to make money. Don't, don't call it something else. Then. Yeah. Oh, now we're yeah. getting heated. <laughs> uh, so with that, if you've got donor conceived people out there, uh, recipient parents, donors, um, anything that you would um, want them to know? I want them to know that I am really grateful for Laura High doing what she's doing. 
<laughs> um, I saw you across the United States a couple months ago and was like, oh, she's going to be my friend. And I have worked hard. I hope you trust me now. <laughs> I talk to you fucking every day. I am day. so lucky. I, I talk to you waiting, every waiting fucking day. Waiting for a friend day. like you my whole life. Um, you're smart and you got... You got a heart of gold, and I'm really grateful um, for this platform because I have been waiting a very long time for someone to hear my story. So thank you to everyone who has listened. I'm still trying to find other traditional surrogates. I thought there were thousands of us, but I think there's a lot less than I actually thought um, from what I'm, I'm figuring out. There are thousands of us, but not tens of thousands. So I have just so far found one other in the United States. So come find me. I'm at traditional surrogate on Instagram. I'd love, I'd love to, to see you there. If you were born yep. via traditional surrogacy, um, please, please go contact at Andy. And I don't want to speak for you, but uh, I'm assuming also if you were born via gestational surrogacy, and you just need some help and same, guidance. Yeah. We got, um, a lot of different People in our egg donation group, we have a double donor conceived person now. Um, we would love to see you. We're a great chill group and we just support each other through our daily life because donor conception is mm -hmm. something you deal with daily. Um, but if anybody is interested in joining the any of the donor conceived support groups that Andy is referring to, you can uh, find them on Instagram at, at DCC support. If you need that support, which I hella suggest, hella suggest you get. Go join that. Go get the support. Go talk to your peers. I promise those feelings. Yo, donor conceived people who are feeling this. Those little feelings that you've got in the back of your head that you have not allowed yourself to think of that you are like, mm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to feel it. Mm, no, no, no. I promise you, you start joining these support groups and you start getting some validation and you start realizing every single one of these people has been feeling the same things that I have my entire life. You actually are going to start healing. Yeah. Do it. Do it, it's my friends. It. Do it, my little pumpkins. Okay? Amazing. Well, Andy, it is always, always phenomenal to chat with you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. Because, again, it's so unique. It's got to be heard. Your story has to be fucking heard. And I really, really do hope that we start taking people who were born via surrogacy, donor-conceived people, um, feelings into actual consideration. Actual studies are done because that's the only way how we're actually going to improve this is we need that data. So thank you for raising your voice. Thank you for being an advocate. And we thank will you. continue it's to march on. Thank you. Have thank a you. lovely, too, lovely day. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Insemination. And thank you, Andy, for being as vulnerable and open and sharing your story because... Oh my God, we need to hear more stories like that. Spotlighting those kinds of stories is what leads to actual fundamental change and empathy and understanding for people who are conceived in their kind of situation. And I just want to remind everybody to listen to the people who have the lived experience, especially when it relates to anything involving human rights. The only way we will ever make fundamental change is to listen and to have empathy and compassion. So thank you, Andy, and thank you again to all of our listeners for tuning in again and turning on Insemination.
We'll see you back next week. Please leave a review, a comment, follow me on all of your social media at Laura High Five. And remember, we don't just have the audio of this episode, we also have it on my YouTube, Laura High. We'll see you next time. <laughs>